Hello everyone, this is the Value Line Observer by the Value Guys. I am Val Hughes. Get it. And I'm Vernon V. Val. You? <laughs> Jeez, what's that? Anyway. <laughs> My full name. Okay, full initial? name. Uh, your mom listening today or what? I... Uh, yeah, she is. Anyway, actually. we're going to review today. Valdosta. Ah, okay. <laughs> Clue to the secret identity. Uh, this is, uh, we're going to review the March 31st, 2006 edition of the Value Line investment survey today and uh, you know it's been a busy week on Wall Street as usual and uh, of course value line doesn't really capture much of that since uh, this is largely old news but to the extent that you are looking through value line and subscribe to value line we do too and we uh, every Friday or Saturday get around look at value line and we have our thoughts about uh, the stocks we should be focused on of course Vern and I are longtime Wall Street professionals uh, we've taken on secret identities to allow ourselves to give you our unvarnished views of these stocks. We do this every week, and uh, just no bear in varnish. mind, yeah, we're uh, we're not we're completely varnishless. We're not responsible, of course, for anything we say here. We view this show as a uh, as entertainment. You may have a different opinion of that, of course, uh, and we may own these stocks. I usually own all of them, uh, but uh, we may own them. And we try to own them all. We that's our hope uh, to own them. <laughs> Uh, but this week, they've got uh, several interesting industries, and uh, we're going to kick it off today with uh, Vern Value. Uh, that would be me then, right? Yes, sir. I, uh, um, very timely, uh, very timely in terms of recent news that everybody's been reading about in the paper, uh, auto parts industry, as I uh, glance through candidates of things to talk about in uh, today's uh, issue of the Value Line uh, Investment Survey, I was struck by the uh, the chart on page 782 that shows the relative strength of the auto parts industry. And if I'm reading this uh, relative strength chart right, it tells me that uh, between a most recent peak at the beginning of 2004 and today, uh, the industry ha uh, relative performance has been to decline by half. That's uh, not good. That's not uh, good. Yeah, if for those of you who may have owned any of these stocks, you may uh, be more familiar very with this sorry. than I was. Very but, sorry. Uh, <laughs> my condolences. Uh, and yet, uh, interesting to me, and maybe saying something about prevailing sentiment, Value Line says that few of the stocks seem to be compelling selections, and they talk a lot about downside risk. So that got, me, that already happened, that got me interested. Right. So I thought I'd take a look here. Um, industry out of favor. You know, what's the what's the industry environment? Well, of course, uh, dominating the news, including today, uh, General Motors trying to work out uh, uh, issues in terms of cost structure and viability of uh, uh, Delphi and in conjunction with the UAW. Um, Ford and Visteon are working on related problems, and this is against a backdrop where there have been probably dozens of small suppliers that have gone bankrupt. There have been a couple public companies, Tower Automotive and uh, more recently Dana, that have filed. Looks like Lear is a potential candidate for isn't that right this now. Just, let me, isn't this just uh, an example? It's a wasteland Isn't out this there. just the invisible hand at work? We've got basically overpriced union labor. Uh, the sad, I'm not an auto analyst. I saw a stat of $76 an hour fully loaded for a uh, U.S. auto worker. I mean, basically, you've priced yourself out of the market. Shares moving overseas, uh, and the uh, U.S. auto industry as we once knew it is uh, is over. Isn't that fair? Um, yeah, I, 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 I certainly um, kind of falls in the undeniable category. I'd say uh, <laughs> I try to stick to those um, kind of you points. Know, look it up on Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. You'll find, I think, uh, my uh, my friend Val uh, quoted liberally from a public resource. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
So, I, all right, auto parts looks interesting to me. I look at what stocks they're covering. Uh, Tenneco is one of their highly rated ones. It's rated a two. Uh, this is a company that used to be uh, a big, uh, messy conglomerate, uh, but that's been pared down now to uh, um, something that was formerly uh, Tenneco Automotive. It says here that their business is about, what, less than half in North America, uh, similar amount, Europe, South America. Aftermarket's 23%. That was sort of what sounded familiar to me. Yeah. Um, it's uh, ride control systems and exhaust systems. In other words, shock absorbers and mufflers. But uh, yeah. So maybe not real uh, high added value. Um, a billion dollar market cap, 4.6 billion in revenue. I'm getting interested. It's uh, oh look at this, three to four times cash flow. That's awfully cheap. Wow. Uh, of course, you got to last three and four, three point four years to get your <laughs> to money get back. Uh, the P's <laughs> under fourteen. It's something yeah. like a 25-30% discount to the market, so it looks relatively cheap. But as I look at the stock chart, I, I, I see a stock that is near an all-time high. Um, you know, value line I think is right to highlight in the current environment: financial uh, capacity, liquidity. Um, I see alarmingly that Tenneco has 91% of capital is represented by uh, a billion four, a billion three, billion four of debt. Now, Value Line says that... I don't think they make shoes here anymore either. <laughs> Just let's uh, get it's, used but to But it's not, you know, it's really not that bad. Value Line says interest coverage is less than two times. But, you know, it, fans out there, let's, let's learn this simple calculation when we look at Value Line. What's that? Multiply operating margin times sales. That right. gives you a number known as EBIT. Do I need a pen right now? No, no, this? no. This is real simple, easy to remember because sales is followed on value lines chart by operating margin, followed directly by depreciation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And what you come up with is, I mean, something close to 500 right. million in EBITDA. So That's I, I'd say, you know, it, it looks like they'll probably make it. Maybe I can take advantage of the three to four times. Says the value line says they're winning some new business, uh, but ultimately, um, uh, I, you know, hard to get as excited as value line is with their two uh, about uh, something that makes mufflers and uh, and shock absorbers. So then I looked, what else could there be here? Well, how about Gentex? How about a fallen angel? Here's a name people know. Growth stock formerly um, less than three billion market cap. Uh, but, oh my, that is actually uh, almost five times revenue. Uh, there is no debt wow. here, so very clean balance sheet. Um, we like that. Um, I see it's about uh, 10 12% off of its all-time high, but still a, a 25 PE, 30% premium to market. 2% dividend yield. I'm kind of wondering is, you know, gee, is maybe those maybe it's still really cheap and I don't realize it. And I look at the numbers, I see earnings growth is stalled. Um, you know, the cash flow multiple's down, but it's darn near 20 times almost. Yet, return on capital, which used to be consistently in the 20% range, is now in the low teens. And I mean, it's been there for years at this point. Uh, and Value Line talks about heightened competition from industry heavyweight Magna Donnelly. Um, there is some GM exposure here. Uh, it says it's one of their most important customers. So, um, it looks to me like uh, the market's finally figured this out, and Value Line, which went to a four rating uh, apparently last week, uh, has also finally figured it out. So neither one of those. I'd look at you know a one, a four, a two, a four. Um, so what I did is I let's use a simple screen of we want a value added product, 
and we want uh, reasonable uh, uh, downside risk in that terms of capital structure. That seems like a structure. reasonable uh, request. And I came up with four stocks. And I'll run through them real quick here. I think there's something interesting about each one of them. I think all of them could be candidates to buy, and I would suggest that the way to do it would be to buy a little of all four and, hmm, and moderate, your, uh, moderate your company-specific exposure. Um, first one is AutoLeave, symbol ALV, nearly $5 billion market cap, leader in uh, airbag kind of products. Says here uh, debt is less than 20% of total capital. Um, it's less than, uh, it's about 70% of revenue. It's a 20% discount to the market, seven times cash flow. I'm looking at double-digit earnings growth in 06 and 07, according to value line. Return on capital looks like it's at an all-time high, but not like, uh, I mean, it's not out of bounds with prior highs. Um, they do apparently have some exposure to Ford, um, but that's not as bad as uh, GM. And of course, Ford is a multinational, and Western Europe, it says here, is their largest single market. Um, it's a play on increased vehicle safety. There's probably content opportunity here. Stock's near an all-time high, but I think uh, in the context of the total market, looks pretty darn cheap. And guess what, folks? They're only going to get better. Uh, Borg Warner, uh, symbol BWA, uh, three and a half billion market cap. This is another. These are all three and four rated by Value Line, by the way. Um, this stock, I got 21% of of capital is debt. Okay, not a big deal. These guys make uh, engineered components. They have exposure to. Uh, um, All-wheel drive systems, which are becoming increasingly popular in cars, you might have one. Um, uh, they're involved in turbochargers, um, the uh, technologies that are gaining share in cars, generally speaking. Um, return on capital looks pretty stable. Um, the foreign sales, half of the total, so not overly dependent on North America. Um, now, Value Line says I got some raw material issues, but I think the whole industry does. And as I look at operating margins, Value Line's forecasting 14.5-15%. So that's consistent with history. Looks to me like an extremely stable business uh, at a very attractive uh, discount to now, the market. Now, these companies, don't you need to have a sense of how much of their content ends up on Japanese vehicles? In well, order not to... Japanese specifically. No. Um, and this is... Right now, six, seven times cash flow. I can see some history of eight times cash flow. Uh, third one, Eaton. This is the biggest of the four, um, over 10 billion market cap. You might know them as a manufacturer of heavy-duty truck transmissions, but it's really a diversified uh, industrial conglomerate. Automotive components, just 16% of sales. Truck components, 21, so less than 40% of the total. Looks like closer to 50% of earnings, but still only half. Yeah. Um, return on capital looks like like a uh, pretty stable uh, 10 to 15 percent kind of company. Um, I can tell you I know something about these guys. Major emphasis on re-engineering re the business model. Very well-run business and arguably is lifting uh, return on capital to a sustained higher level. Big emphasis on being able to manage through the coming downturn in the heavy-duty truck market. Let's take a look at the valuation. I've got, uh, I got about eight times cash flow per share. So, all right, not all that exciting, maybe. But uh, I'm also looking at history where hist last cycle, there was a peak to trough decline in cash flow per share of about 20%. If I take Value Line's uh, $9 number, and I take 20% off of that, I'm down in the mid-7s. 
and I've got at $72 a price that's still less than 10 times cash flow, and that would be a theoretical trough number. And Value Line's talking about the ability to generate over $13 in cash flow by 2009. And folks, that's dead on because there's going to be a boom in the heavy duty truck market as people, uh, as fleets out there try to beat a uh, very emissions, expensive uh, emissions, yeah, emissions change coming in. Uh, in 2010. So uh, this one's a 37% discount to the market, 12 times earnings, folks. This downturn uh, in their biggest market is already priced into it, and I don't see they're getting any credit for the big snapback that you should see in uh, 2008 and 09. Uh, and lastly, the fourth of the big four, uh, Magna International, uh, Value Line's lowest rating on this one, a four. Symbols MGA, 8 billion market cap, 23 billion revenue, okay, so trading at, uh, what is that, a third of revenue. Um, it's about 10% off its all-time high, less than 11 times earnings, a 45% discount to market, folks, five times cash flow. I look back at history, you know, is that high or low? And in 99, on a what, you know, could have been a peak number, peak of the economy, um, the stock traded at seven times that number at a high. Two years later, uh, against higher cash flow yet, um, but in a recession year, 2001, also seven times. See it again in 2003 at five times, so a discount to what looks like pretty sustainable uh, performance here. Operating margins are down to around 8% versus 10-11 historically, but they've been there a while and stable. Return on capital looks stable in uh, the, around the 10% uh, level as has been historical. They do a lot of their sales overseas. They've got, what do they got? Dozens of plants in Europe. Um, you know, there's been some negative sentiment recently, apparently. Looked pretty interesting to me, and I thought, well, that's that's got to be the story, right? Wrong. Listen to this. There's $1.7 of cash on the balance sheet at the end of December. Total outstanding debt, about $900 million. Folks, there's about $6 of excess cash on this balance sheet that is only 10% debt. So if I take that, I, I don't mean, think Value Line knows that. Hell, that <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to half a point off the cash flow multiple here. Um, the most attractive of the four, Magna International. So a diversified portfolio of auto parts suppliers at a time when the industry is down by half and sentiment stinks. A great time to be a value buyer because we're the value guys. And with that, I'll turn it over to the man whose first name is value. It is not. It's Valmont. Valmont. Valmont Hughes. Valmont Hughes. That's right. That's right. And I asked my mother about that. Anyway, we're going to, as is traditional with the value guys. You got anything at four times cash flow? I don't. Not right now. But it is time for our weekly beverage break right now. Uh, so uh, here's to you. Thanks for listening. Can you hear the ice cubes? Uh, <coughs> uh, very, okay. Very refreshing. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This is uh, Val Hughes. And uh, this week in Value Line, there's a couple of industries that I've covered for many years and just feel like I should talk about them a little bit. And we're revisiting some industries now. The Value Guy starting in uh, 04. Or no, when did we start? 05, and we're now starting to... Uh, uh, anniversary some of these. The first one I wanted to talk about was the pharmacy services industry. One of the things we like, of course, is trends. And uh, we've talked about demographics before and how that's a very predictable trend. Pharmacy obviously plays well into that. We've talked about medical products and medical services before. So uh, there's some stocks in here we want to talk about. Um, 
The first one I want to talk about is just uh, these drugstores. They've got CVS, Walgreens, and Long's, I'm sorry, and Rite Aid, uh, all ranked three. So I don't know if the guy who, you know, you got to try to distinguish between these. They don't look, like any of them, huh? No, they're very different, but of course they're all threes. Um, Walgreen is uh, a great company. They've had years and years of tremendous results. Return on capital, uh, fabulous, no debt. Only pharmacists uh, are involved in management, and they basically took the nation by storm and I think have the best footprint in the drugstore industry. Unfortunately, though, it's uh, 20 times cash flow, so uh, I love it and I shop there, but I can't buy this one. But it's ranked three, and maybe rightfully so. Great company, a little too expensive. Then I look at CVS. Also ranked three. Now they're growing faster. Well, they're they? growing a little faster simply because uh, they started uh, at a point in time when they were a lot smaller, so it makes it easier. Huh. And uh, whereas Walgreens will never, they did an acquisition uh, years ago in Madison, Wisconsin. They swore off acquisitions after that because the integration was difficult. And uh, so they haven't really done one since. CVS, on the other hand, is happy to do acquisitions, and they own things that you might have heard of like Arbor Drug, Eckerd. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, over the many years, that's how they've grown. Now, as they've done that, they've gotten their cost structure. They're still a little worse than Walgreens. Walgreens has earned, you know, 16, 17% on capital. These guys earn uh, 10, 12, 13. You know, they're sort of moving up. Uh, gross margin at Walgreens, 29%. Gross margin at CVS, 27%. So you think, well, CVS is not as good. I say, no, room for CVS to get better. CVS trades at about... Uh, Let's see, just a tad over 10 times cash flow, has 16% debt to cap, uh, 12 times coverage, and uh, they're growing, uh, I think, by acquisition at a faster pace than Walgreens is, and I think they're on target to improve their return on equity through these economies of scale. Uh, there are a couple of problems right now on the front for CVS, according to Value Line here. Uh, an old controller and treasurer resigned over some issues that happened six years ago. I'm not worried about that. Everybody's worried about Medicare and Medicaid and all these rules and new programs and people don't understand it. You know what? Demographics are going to drive use of drugs and whether they're generics uh, or branded, uh, older people use more drugs. It's a fact. And these drugstores are going to see a lot of traffic, not only for drugs, but to the extent that they can keep their margins uh, good on the front end of the store, uh, they're going to see continuing good business. They also tend to have better locations than the uh, off-price retailers, and so that means more convenient locations. And so uh, I think they'll continue to have a strong model, even though sometimes that gets into question. But the CVS is priced at just the market multiple. you got the demographics working for you, improving return on capital. Uh, that's a favorite for this week. Uh, and I just contrast it with Rite Aid, also a three. I'd completely avoid this thing. Over where they talk about how uh, covered the interest expense is on these stocks, I'm seeing a phrase here called interest not earned. That makes me very nervous, everybody. 90% uh, debt to capital. I know capital. they haven't earned my interest. Yeah, they have 7%. So anyway, but that's also a three. I don't get it, but I, I would really uh, go out and buy CVS. Now, I'm changing speeds here a little bit. Also in pharmacy services, there's an industry called the PBM industry, pharmacy benefit manager, that we're revisiting. Um, there's a stock here they have ranked number one, and I think one of the things the value guys can do for you is keep you away from number ones that are apt to go down. I think that's bad. Express Scripts ranked number one. This is a great company. I've owned it. I, uh, they do a wonderful job, uh, you know, basically helping big uh, healthcare programs uh, maximize their cost savings on pharmaceutical I, I benefits. Think you, I think you told me about this stock the first time, you know, 
six, eight years ago. Well, six, eight years ago, the stock was at four, and now it's at 80. So I love this stock. I've loved it for years. But it's now 22 times cash flow. Uh, since we last talked about it, it, ha it looks like it has rolled over. Mm -hmm. So uh, yes, maybe this valuation judgment is not too far off. Um, if you want to play unit growth in pharmaceuticals, I have a question. How can Express Scripts continue to grow at 20% growth rates when they're playing in the same industry as Cardinal Health and, uh, you know, Amerisource and other distributors who are apt to grow at 10%? They can't keep raising prices forever. Uh, they are getting some issues with regulators looking at pricing and things like that for the baby boomers, and there's a lot of concern about health care costs, of course. So they continue to be under scrutiny. I don't think there's any issues. I think they're all above board, but other, yeah, it's expensive. So I would avoid Express Scripts. If you want to own it, they're going to have a mistake. Buy it at 60, and you'll be happy you did. I only say that uh, the other stocks in this group, Medco and Caremark, also uh, you know face the same issues. They're ranked three. That's probably more appropriate. Uh, I want to spend a quick minute in their toiletries and cosmetics area. Uh, Value Line talks about this as underperforming in part because it's a defensive area. Well, of course, with the market at all-time highs, uh, you know, GDP, employment, disposable income, everything's at an all-time high. You know what? Since the dawn of time, every few years, everything's at an all-time high. That's how we keep being higher than we used to be, everybody. But uh, this is eventually going to... Yeah, you have to be low to yeah, be high. Yeah, I mean, if, the, if, you're, if you have a growing economy, you're going to be hitting new highs oftentimes, I'd say. But uh, this is a defensive industry, so it's not, you know, doing much right now. But I just draw your attention to one particular stock in here, Avon Products. Maybe you've heard of it. If you if you can find anyone that hasn't heard of it, that'd be a surprise. A brand name like Didn't this. Didn't they just enter the Kazakhstan market? They're in 114 <laughs> countries, and I think the United Nations only recognizes 109. So that's amazing. But uh, Puerto they, Rico is not a country. I, I don't know. Write them a letter. It's still not quite at 10 times cash flow, but let me tell you what's going on at Avon. This company got into a lot of trouble a number of years ago. They're trying to turn it around. Uh, they had stub equity. It's got a very high returns on you know equity and capital that aren't particularly sustainable, but that's because they're growing fast. They have a sales force, uh, ladies and gentlemen, of 5 million reps. If you can imagine that, that's bigger than the United States Army, which is pretty freaking big. So... Uh, uh, you know, these guys have a lot of resources, and it seems like they're trying to, you know, uh, command them a little better. They've just got some very good news. Value Line has this rated 5. It's just a tad less than 10 times cash flow. They have a fair amount of debt, but it's 18 times interest covered. That doesn't worry me. But here's the big news that's buried in the, sort of the bottom of this thing. The Chinese government, I'm just reading in, in the sort of last <laughs> sentence of the Value Line here. The Chinese government recently gave the company permission to resume... <laughs> Direct, direct selling, selling that it had been banned since 1998 <laughs> why isn't that the headline now the chinese they like to they like makeup uh, it's a new you know new wealth uh, i just read something about how the buick is the most popular luxury car in a country that's the buick's the most popular luxury car they're going to sell out of makeup i've heard estimates that the the number of individuals entering the emerging consumer class in china 
could exceed 100,000 people a week. I mean, That's unbelievable. On. How many of those are going to buy makeup? <laughs> a lot of them. Okay, Half of them so, are yeah. candidates. So, uh, you know, the, China's becoming the United States in the 50s, and, uh, you know, they're going to buy a lot of makeup. This is unbelievable <laughs> news. They've cars. been shut out <laughs> since 1998. They're back. This Put is, fins on that, Buick. You'll sell a million of this them. This is rated five. So I would be a buyer of this stock. Avon, if it doesn't work, it just means you have a little bit of dead money for a while. The stock looks like it's turning a corner. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. I'd also then just say uh, a couple things. They've covered the telecom industry this week. Man, you went ranged far and wide, I, I've, I've done a lot of stuff. I you know. did your homework. Well, I've covered a lot of these. Now, in telecom, what's going on in telecom? You know, there's 100 years of data that says every year people spend a little more time talking or listening to other people. And we've got a lot of new channels uh, to do that, of course. If you have kids, you know that you have instant messaging and you have messaging on your cell phone. You have podcasting. We should look into that. And then they have uh, iPods. And what's happening is there's a lot of new channels for information. The what is podcasting? I'll tell you about it. Okay. We, we, we believe here at, uh, at the Value Guys that uh, telecom units are going to continue to grow. People are finding new ways to use telecom. And there's a couple ways to play that. We do believe that. He asked me yeah. earlier, and yeah, I we, said, yes, I believe it, too. I, wasn't, I wouldn't make that up. Uh, there's a couple stocks here we'd like to revisit. The first one is, uh, is Quest. Now, there's something very big that happened I just want to mention. For many years, the Telecom Act of 1996, I believe it was, forced the Bells, the former Bell companies, to allow uh, startups to use their network basically at below cost, and that led to a... You know, almost no capital spending because the Bells don't want to have to give away stuff they just bought. And it led to the opposite of what the FCC hoped for, which is instead of innovation with all these startups, it led to a lack of innovation by the Bells who spend billions of dollars and stop spending it. Well, in their good sense, the FCC uh, changed that not that long ago, six months ago. And so the Bells no longer have to share. And so they're finally investing in their networks. They're finally bringing out new products and services, the biggest of which, of course, is broadband and wireless. And ValueLine themselves say here that broadband and wireless are the places to be. Uh, okay, well, one stock pops out here. It's not my typical kind of stock, so I want to warn you about that. And I also own it. But it's Andrew Corp, A-N-D-W. Uh, the stocks, the most interesting thing about it is the book value is 10, the stock's 13. It's actually a little higher than that. But what these guys do is they provide about a third of the equipment on every cell phone tower in America and, in inter and internationally. And they've spent money in the last five or six years to do so. They started out with just a few items and cabling particularly, and they've gone on to power and uh, uh, service and some of the other aspects of the of the tower and of course right now for the last few years people have been concerned about tower growth and the you know the Americans uh, weren't adopting 3G third generation a lot of, lost a lot of money you know, no one's doing it except in Finland I guess everyone's got all this stuff but we don't hear and so these stocks have languished well the iPod has been such a phenomenal success people downloading songs and stuff off iTunes uh, we've got, I think, the approaching time when broadband will be downloaded to cell phones. Andrew is going to be in the midst of this as music, which is, of course, the biggest uh, use of data over broadband, uh, you know, it starts to be downloaded uh, wirelessly. Well, Andrew, but they've, you know, they're adding video now. That takes adding even video, a bigger pipe. And, uh, right? and it absolutely does. These guys have been unloved for years. The stock chart looks terrible. And, I th and they've also been hurt a lot by copper prices, which represent about... 
10 or 15% of their cost of goods is copper, which has tripled in the last few years. Uh, yeah, it's at so, an all-time high. Yeah, so there's a lot of reasons to like this. It's going to be driven by broadband use, wireless use, and copper prices coming down, although they're hedged right now. I just, I'd go buy a little of this Andrew. Uh, Very Want to revisit Quest, an old Bell company that made a lot of mistakes a number of years Didn't ago. did you recommend this before? I did, and uh, I recommended it in December. The stock's working nicely. These guys have uh, basically turned over a new leaf. They're just going to be a phone company like you'd hope. They're going to be in, uh, of course, all the traditional areas, broadband and uh, and phone service. And they've sold a lot of stuff that wasn't working. They seem to sort of gotten religious. They still have negative equity, but the cash flow here, they're trading at you know, basically four times cash flow. This is the old U.S. West, which was part of the Bell system. The Bell system now has the right to make money on their equipment again. Uh, I think this is a very interesting situation. Quest, ticker symbol, if you can remember, Q. And uh, Is that a takeout play? Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure it is. I mean, I, with the, uh, the other transaction? That I, don't, uh, I don't think so. You know, okay. they, have a big, uh, they have a big land-based network. Uh, and you were and, looking at uh, Verizon with a nearly five uh, percent well, dividend. Verizon, yield? you know, we're running out of time here on the value uh, line observer. But oh, uh, Verizon, you know, another Bell company, former Bell. This is the former Bell Atlantic, and then they bought GTE, which was a great little private, uh, public, but you know, independent uh, telephone company in the in the New England area. And these two companies, they have a brand. They had a history of great technology as a Bell company 30 years ago in that area. Uh, they've got, you know, they own half of the Verizon wireless network, which is, um, you know, done very well and gaining share. So this one, you know, good strong returns on capital. The problem with this one is, uh, you know, I, I think they have a, a fair amount of debt here. Their interest coverage is 5.2, but, you know, it's it's pretty good returns. Cash flow multiple right now is is four. And, uh, you know, the Bell system owns their equipment again and can put this equipment to use at reasonable ROIs. I'm and, just uh, struck by the 4.7%. Yeah, 4.7% yield, and uh, I think you can own, uh, own both of these. And, my friend, uh, this is Val Hughes. That's all I have this week. And Vern Value saying Arrivederci. At Arrivederci. Oh, by the way, we're back. Uh, check us out on our website, www.thevalueguys.com, where you can learn more about us and perhaps learn about our secret identities.